because I have a word from the Lord tonight for those of you that are used in leadership in this church. In fact, I have two words from God. And when I speak to that, that... I'm going to get into this again. I've already spoke on it, but I want to tell you. The difference between laity and ministry is not in people. You don't call one certain group of people laity and one certain group of people ministry. Laity and ministry is in operations and offices, not people. Come on. We don't have a caste system in the church. We don't have class envy and all that junk. And that's, that's what the devil starts to get all kinds of problems going. That's why he segregates churches. There's Mexican churches and there's black churches. That's hogwash. That kind of junk don't belong in God's church. Well, you say, Brother Elder, there's cultural differences. The church has its own culture. I said the church has its own culture. When you come in here, we submit to God's kingdom. Praise God. I'm not going to preach on that, but I could. But when you speak of laity, you, you speak... Laity, if you want to call yourself laity, you indict yourself. Because the word laity means a commoner, one that does nothing. And I don't believe God called you to come in here and lay around. Hallelujah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till after Sister Elder has this baby, but I'm going to preach about those that are in the waiting room and those that are in the delivery room. There's a world of difference in the atmosphere of the waiting room and the atmosphere of the delivery room. And some people, they sit back there and they wait while there are some people that are working up here in the delivery room. And they're sweating and they're working and they're toiling. And when the baby's finally born, then those back in the waiting room want to say, All right, they had that baby! These up here in the delivery room that's been doing all the work. This is the ministry. That is the laity. And you make the choice of what part you want to be involved in. Because God has called each and every one of you to play a specific role in His kingdom. He did not call you to sit on a pew and warm the pew with the back of your lap. That is the first word that God wants me to give some of you. If you're waiting for me to preach, I am preaching. I'll read you a text here in a minute so it'll be official, but uh, I am anointed by God right now. I'm preaching to some of you. I don't have to yell and scream to get your attention, do I? Um, if, you, if that's the only way I'll get your attention, I'll yell and scream. But please, I've had problems with my voice. Can I just talk to you and you hear God? Thank you. You're very kind. 
Um, the second thing that the Lord wants me to talk to you about tonight is that some of you do not understand the role of the pastor. There is a difference between the word pastor and the word ministry. God has called all of you to be in the ministry, but He has not called all of you to be the pastor. And some of you have felt the call of ministry in your life, but you have not been called to pastor. And you don't know how to differentiate the difference. And there and the and another thing, really the two things that God has called me to talk to you about tonight, which hopefully we can deal with. As I begin to preach, but I'm already dealing with it, and I haven't preached, I, I need to work on my diplomacy. I'm not very tactful about leading people into this stuff. But some of you do not have the right perspective of your pastor, and that's the reason why your ministry absolutely winds up to zero. And just because Brother Elder is you know, I'm qualified to stand up here and preach what I'm preaching right now. I left eight and a half years of evangelizing because God spoke to me and said, Son, your ministry will never go any further until you go home and submit yourself to your father and look at him as your pastor instead of your father. And you are sitting here and you are a witness that I come home and did exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ told me to do. Some of you have not done that. And because you have not done that, you are fruitless in your ministry. Some of you are, are just as unfaithful as you can be about paying your tithes. And the whole thing that you have a crawl, you have it stuck in your crawl about paying your tithes is, Brother Elder gets all that money. You are showing your ignorance and your carnality. If you're waiting for me to back up, you're looking at the wrong person. I'm not backing up one bit. Well, you might as well be seated. I guess I might read a text sometime tonight. And, and please, some of you, some of you listen to me. Lest you take my attitude for cockiness. Lest you take my attitude for lightness. What I am saying tonight, I don't want you to pass up over lightly. Uh, it's alright to laugh. It's alright to have fun in church. But I want to tell you something. It's, all, it's, all, it's also alright to understand the eternal things of God. And, and, and if you're obeying God, it's easy for you to be light. But let's also keep an atmosphere for those that are disobeying God so that they can, they can step into a realm of repentance tonight. Because if I can get you in this altar to do more than just cry a few crocodile tears, you've done that 50 times before and you're still not right with God. You've done that 500 times before and you're still not right with God. And you don't understand that ministry comes out of qualification. Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 1. We're going to read my text and then God is quickening me another scripture. Brother Elder, I don't know exactly where it's at. But where is the Apostle Paul said, I beat this body under subjection. Lest after I have preached to others, I myself have become a castaway. It's in 1 Corinthians, I believe. 
If somebody can find that for me, please. Now, this is the way that I preach and teach in my church. I don't always bring the right notes and the right scripture references to the pulpit. Because if I can get you involved in finding scriptures and finding it for yourself, you become a part of the message that God wants to deliver to his church. So I don't always bring scriptural reference. Somebody find for me that scripture. 1 Corinthians what? Hold that. Can you? Can you read that for us here in a minute? Hold it right there. Put your finger there. Go to Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What a powerful statement. If you are not restoring them that have fallen, and if you are not bearing one another's burdens, you are not Fulfilling the law of Christ. I can prove it to you. Matthew chapter 25. Hold your finger in 1 Corinthians. Don't lose that. Brother Keith is... I, I, didn't, ref, I didn't forget your name. Getting old, but I ain't that old. Matthew... Chapter, how many of you brought your Bible? Lift your Bible up, you brought your Bible. If somebody didn't bring their Bible, share with them. My Lord, you can't have church without a Bible. Not unless you have it memorized. Verse number 31 of Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory... And all, now before we get into this, remember Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1 says, Brethren, if a man be taken in a fault, overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. One of the marks of spirituality is restoration. One of the marks of spirituality is regeneration. The world says recuperation and, and, uh, what do they use in? Yeah, relaxation. But what do they use in the penal system? Rehabilitation. God's way is not rehabilitation. God's way is renewing and regeneration. The devil can be moral, people. You need to understand this. The devil is involved in all of the philanthropy and the, and, and the rehabilitation in the world. He has likened himself to an angel of light. And people in the church are buying into this junk. And they don't realize that rehabilitation is not God's way. The old man is wicked. The old man cannot be really rehabilitated. The old man has to die and be resurrected. And be regenerated in the power of the Holy Ghost. And ye which are spiritual, restor restoration, restore such a one. 
bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Is Paul right? Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and the holy angels with Him, shall He sit on the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. Listen to the mark of separation when Christ begins to separate the sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered. Here is the mark of separation. I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I, who is saying I was hungry, and ye gave me meat? Jesus. How can we feed Jesus? Who is the body of Jesus Christ in the church today? The church is. I was hungry, and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I know a lot of churches that need to take him in. I know a lot of churches that have beautiful services, but they don't have Jesus Christ there. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, or gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? Notice, out of all of these, these people are not building rehabilitation centers, and saying, come in here, we're going to rehabilitate you. If they're hungry, they fed them. If they're thirsty, they gave them drink. They didn't start a welfare program for them. They just fed them. Boy, it's quiet in here tonight. If they were in prison, they didn't say, I'm going to get you out, Bubba. They just went and visited them. If they were in the hospital, they didn't go in there and say, All right, get up off of that bed. We're going to carry you out of here. They just went and visited them. I want to tell you, just part of the mark of the gospel. Some of you need to understand this. You need to learn how to love people. Come on. Some of you are doing... I'm just following the Holy Ghost here. Praise God. Is this on? Testing. One, two. Some of you, through what you call so winning, are really feeding the lust of your ego and your flesh. And you're standing there and you're preaching at people. And you're telling them, you need to do this and you need to do that. And yeah, God didn't tell you to do that. God just said, visit them. Just love them. Just let them know that you care. What, you know, we live in a world that are full of motives today. 
people have ulterior motives and when somebody in the hospital gets a card from the church automatically they're thinking there's strings attached to this card the reason why they sent me this card is because they want me in their church I want to tell you I do want you in this church but I don't want you in this church just for the very reason of you being in this church I want you to be in this church because I love you with everything that I have within me and I want you to know that I love you and if you're never in this church I will love you anyway and if you ever need me the mark of me coming to visit you is not for you just being in this church but but just to show you that I love you that's all I care about you Jesus himself said freely you have received freely give and I want to tell you one of the marks of the greatness of the gospel is that it's given without any strings attached you don't have to come to this altar and repent tonight you don't have to be baptized in Jesus name tonight you don't have to have the Holy Ghost tonight but I do want you to know that it's for you if you want it and if you want to escape hell and the judgment of God that's coming upon this earth I invite you to come and join yourself to the kingdom of God. I was listening to a man preach the other day. And there were some things that he was saying that I didn't agree with. He's a very close friend of mine. But he was saying that some people will never be saved because they're not going to see how to be saved. Now, I agree with that. But what he was implying is that God is not going to give them a chance to be saved. I'm going to tell you something. God, that's, that's the doctrine of predestination. If you believe that, you don't belong in this church. You belong in the Baptist church. That's a doctrine of Calvinism. There is a world of difference between God predetermining your fate and God foreknowing your fate. Come on, some of you are just still in the net in the first grade. You need to get some biblical doctrine in you. There is a world of difference between God predetermining your fate and God foreknowing your fate. God knows every decision that you're going to make in your life. But God doesn't determine every decision that you make in your life. You determine every decision that you make in your life. And God knows who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. But God does not determine who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. You make that up in your mind. God... The Bible says that God hated Esau from his mother's womb. The fact that God hated Esau from his mother's womb is because God knew the eternity of Esau. God knew that Esau never was going to make the right decision. But I want to tell you, God did not have anything to do with the decisions that Esau made. Esau made them on his own. If he would have turned from those ways, God would have loved him just like he loved anybody else. Is this all right? And the, de the determining of the sheep and the goats is by you doing what Christ has told you to do.
Now that you know that, ministry comes to you from qualification. By paying attention, ministry comes. Now, let me talk to some of you young people. Some of you young people are looking way off in your future saying, What am I going to do with my life? Oh my God, here I am, 20 years old and I ain't married. And now we're laughing and it's kind of humorous, but I want to tell you, that, that, that is traumatic to a lot of young people. Here I am, I'm never going to have a wife. I'm never going to have a husband. Well, I tell you what, you will when God gets ready for you to. And you will find God's will day by day. Not by looking at the greener grass on the other side. Can I give you some words of Jesus Christ he said take no thought for tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself Amen. brother elder what about all this planning and all of this stuff it's alright to plan for your life it's alright to set goals in your life but I want to tell you if God wants to change those they're gone and I'm going to tell you there's a lot of that going on in the church today and there's men that are telling young men how to build a church is to put a five-year plan together and to do all of this stuff. And, 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 and what I'm saying is not giving you an excuse to be lazy and not work for God and not be good stewards with what God has given you. But I want to tell you, all of this stuff is part of the worldly system that Satan has built. And you get involved in that and it ain't going to be long your church is going to be worldly. Boy, that would go over like a pregnant pole vaulter at all these conferences. <laughs> Some of you are still asleep. All of these church growth conferences. Do you realize that the United Pentecostal Church has grown less in the last 12 years than we have in the previous years that we did. Now that, some of them, some of them people are not very honest. They'll tell you that we're, we're, we're growing more. We're not. We're not having as many churches started. Why have we not had the growth in the last 12 years? Because men have focused on mega churches instead of focused on evangelizing. Reaching out starting new churches that we have become inward come to our church and let's get bigger and bigger and bigger and I want to tell you something I don't have any problem if God wants me to pastor a church that runs 10,000 then he'll give me a church that, past, that runs 10,000 because the Lord adds to the church daily such as should be saved that's the word of God and if that occurs that's fine with me you're looking at somebody that it's not easy to live this way but continually because God has given me this revelation I don't really give a rip what happens in that church as long as I'm in the will of God that's all that matters to me 
And if that church explodes and we run to 12,000, that's fine with me. And if, if it splits because some dude is able to persuade them and tell them, go with me and do all that, that's fine with me too. Oh, Brother Elder, you shouldn't have that kind of attitude. You better go back and read the life of David. David was a man after God's heart because he allowed God to be the total supremacy of his life. And when Absalom came against him, you can read it in 2 Samuel chapter 17, instead of David getting all in an uproar, and the, the priest came to him, and the generals, and said, Get him now. He's weak. If you go get him right now, you'll be able to destroy him. And the counselors, the men of God in David's life, told him now. And David looked at the high priest, and he said, You go back to Jerusalem, and you get before the altar for God for me. And you pray because in those days the only way David could hear from God was by the high priest. And he said, you pray for me. And peradventure, if God wants me to be the king of this nation, he will give you the word. And when he gives you the word, you come back and you tell me. And Psalms chapter 3, it's David where he said, God, these people are even saying now that I cannot hear from you anymore. And then there's the word Selah. This is the whole message. There's three sea laws in that. But when he stops and he says Silo, the word Silo in the, Greek, in the Hebrew, we don't have a whole lot of information on it. All we can find out is it just means to stop and wait on God. And he said, God, these people said that I don't hear from you anymore. I'm not your leader anymore. And he stopped. What was he doing? He was waiting on a word from God. And some way or another, the high priest came to him and spoke to him. And he said, you're going to be king because I've heard from God. And when he did the next part of that scripture, David said, I cried unto the Lord. And he heard my cry. And he came unto me. And now I will lay me down. I want to tell you something. If you will put your hands in God, you won't have so much stress in your life. If you will trust the hand of the Lord. Whatever God wants, so be it with me. Ah, uh, preacher, just wait till you have trouble in your church. I've had trouble in that church since I've been there. But I want to tell you something. We've had revival in that church ever since I've been there too. Why? Because it ain't my church. It's God's church. And the moment God wants to move me out of the way, as long as I stay in His will, that's fine with me. Whatever you want with me, God, that's fine. Well, what about that church? Hey, hang it on your ear, Bubba. That's God's church. If He ain't big enough to take care of it, I sure ain't going to be able to stop what's going on there. What does that have to do with my life? I want to tell you, some of you running around and you're worried about this and you're worried about that. Some of you are busybodies in this church trying to take care of all the stuff in this church. And you are, you're showing your carnality. You don't understand that God is the king of this church and he'll take care of it. Ministry comes from qualification. One of the marks of qualification is faithfulness. Faithfulness. The Lord said, if you will be faithful in the small things, I'll make you rule over many things. 
I have a gentleman in our church, a young man, that one of these days would like to be in the ministry full time. Hopefully he'll make it one day. But unless he catches some keys to some things, he'll never be there. First of all, he's not faithful in his tithing. Your tithe does not belong to you. When a person has a problem with tithing, it shows me automatically that they have a faith problem. You mark it down eventually. Someone that's not faithful in their tithing. It may take years, but they will lose out with God. Because their problem is not with money, it's with faith. I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. You can sit there and stare. You don't have to look at your neighbor, just look straight ahead. I don't care what you do, really. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you this because I love you. And I care about the ministry that God wants to nurture in your life. Tithing is not a money problem. Tithing is your first fruits to God. Malachi the third chapter Would a man rob God? But ye have robbed me Yet you say wherein have we robbed thee? And God said And tithe in an offering Prove me now herewith saith the Lord And see if I will not open Did, did I hear God right there Where he said prove me? Brother Elder I'll pay these tithes After I get done paying my house payment Can't afford not to. First place you can't pay your tithes. You can't say you can't find one place in the Bible where the Bible said pay your tithes. You can only find in the Bible where the Bible said bring your tithes. Because you can't pay something that does not belong to you. You can simply give to God what dutifully belongs to Him. And God said, prove me now. What are you doing, Brother Elder? You know, what I'm really doing is evangelistic. I'm saving your soul. And not only that, I'm helping you to get on the track to get the ministry that God wants you to have in your life. Some of you think that the mark of ministry is that you're a dingbat and everybody laughs at you around the city. I'm going to tell you, you look in the Bible and God's men were powerful men that were highly respected by the rest of the world. They didn't compromise with the rest of the world. They were not a part of the rest of the world. But they were, they were above average men. Not because they had more brains than everybody else, but because they were disciples of God. And when you are disciples of God, you have revelation that nobody else has. Don't believe it, ask Noah. Everybody else thought he was crazy, but everybody else respected that man. And one day the rains came and he was right and they were wrong. And Abraham knew that Sodom was going to fall before it ever fell. And everybody laughed at him and said, you're a crazy old man. To God. Tithing is a mark of faithfulness. Why do you say that, Brother Elder? It's one of the very first principles that a person that has faith in God will get a hold of if they're really spiritual. You don't only pay tithing on your money, you pay tithing on your life. 
Why do you think we come to church on Sunday? Sunday is not the seventh day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. It is our first fruits to God. And anytime you see somebody giving God their first fruits, He's blessing it, He's breaking it, and He's multiplying it. You want God to multiply your life? Let Him bless it and break it first. Now you may not shout, but hopefully you'll get something from God tonight that will last you. And so, tithing is an important part of God producing His ministry in your life. What's another important part? The faithfulness. Now we're dealing with faithfulness right now. Another important part of faithfulness is attendance to God's house. Hebrews chapter 12, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together is the manner of some is. And even the more often as we see that day approaching, the closer the coming of the Lord comes, the more faithful we should be to the house of God. Brother Elder, will God talk to me without coming to church? Of course He will. The point of God talking to you only in church is a mute point. Boy, I like this. I'm going to steal this and take this home with me. I need this to where I can come right back here and put my nose on somebody else's nose. Oh, the Bible says we're not supposed to steal, don't it? When you, when you don't pay tithes, that, that is a form of stealing, isn't it? Method to my madness. But anyway, the, the point of you being faithful to the house of God is so important to you. Not from the fact that you cannot hear from God anywhere but the church. You can hear from God anytime, anywhere. I've already pointed out to you that there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. And He is everywhere. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once equally. You can talk to Him anywhere. You can stand on your head and talk to Him, and He'll talk back to you, I think. That's not the point at all. You're missing the whole point. You have no discerning of the body of Christ and the role that you play in the body of Christ. And the whole 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is dealing with a church that is divided, that is disgruntled. The, first, the church at Corinth was a total mess because they did not discern the Lord's body. They did not discern the coordination of the church, the working of the church, the structure of the church. And people would miss church and people would do all kinds of junk and they were out of place they were not faithful in the role of fulfilling their part that was to be played in the body of Christ and because of that revival had stopped at Corinth and so Paul writes to them and he tells them this stuff has to stop it's not right for you to take your brother to court I don't care if your kid did get hit by his kid. It's against the Word of God. And if you're doing that, it's a sin. We need some spiritual maturity around here. 
uh, Sunday night, it's ironic that I say this, Sunday night, I have told the young men in our church, don't play football with these little kids. Uh, they're brutes. They're huge. And here's little Kenny, seven years old. Little bitty tyke. Littler than, how old are you, Bubba? Eleven. Forgot your name, is it Bubba? <laughs> Butch, sorry buddy. He's littler than Butch here. Out there, and lo and behold, O'Vernon decides to kick the football. I have told them and told them, don't play with the little kid. So, Kenny, what, have you ever tried to tell a little kid not to play with a big kid? Especially a little boy not to play football with the big boys. They're going to show they're just as big and tough as those big boys. And somebody's going to get hurt. And who usually gets hurt? And I have told them and told them and told them. Don't do it. Here they go. Vernon is six foot two. Kenny is four foot three. Maybe. And Vernon is kicking the football. And he holds off and he kicks it. And Kenny decides to block it. He missed the ball and got Vernon's foot right in the lip. Split it open a whole inch, totally, all the way through. When he would cry, it would open up and I could see his teeth through the, through the split in his lip. What did you have, Brother Elder? I had two parents that was very upset. And I had a little boy that was very upset and very much in pain. What do we need to do? We need to take this boy to court and sue him. Bless God, that's the only way he's going to learn. Is that the Bible way? No, what we did is we took him to the hospital and had stitches put in his lip. And so Brother Elder gets to get back up when I get home and say, I've told you once, I've told you twice. Don't play football on the church parking lot. Don't you just love being a pastor? Well, I want to tell you, you can make the job of your pastor a whole lot easier if you obey Bible principles. Kids will always be kids. And where you hold a grudge for the rest of your life because somebody hit your little Johnny, your little Johnny and whoever hit him in 15 minutes will be back out there playing again. And you just might lose your soul and go to hell because you held a grudge because somebody hit your little kitty. Boy, this is good preaching, Brother Elder. I sound like a pastor, don't I? God forbid. Anyway, I must hurry. How long have I been preaching? You are spiritual. Ministry, faithfulness is an important part of ministry. Qualification. You are, you simply become qualified. I'm, I'm going to see some things that's just going to blow your mind tonight. And if Brother Elder don't agree with this, he, he, he's very well qualified. Get up, straighten us out after I'm gone. 
<laughs> you think I'd be stupid enough to get up here and say something he disagreed with? Not intentionally. But your thought, have you ever stopped to consider how did James, the half-brother of Jesus, become the pastor of the church at Jerusalem? Do you think they had a vote on him? The, all the church people, there's only 80,000 people that were part of the church at Jerusalem. And they all got together and said, well, we need a pastor. So what we're going to do is we're going to have an election next week. And we've got, we've got about 12 names in the pot. We've got Peter, we've got James, we've got Bartholomew, we've got Judas, we've got, not Judas Iscariot, there was another Jude, the half-brother of Jesus. We've got all of these guys that are qualified to be our pastor, and we're going to have a tryout for these people to be our pastor. Is that how it happened? We're going to listen to each one of them get up here and preach. Do you think that's how it happened? I want to, have you ever stopped to consider how James, there was Peter, who was a mighty man of God. There was, there was Bartholomew, there was Andrew, there was, there was Barnabas, who I'm fixing, I almost preached about tonight. I'll preach about him some other time when I come here. A mighty man of God, who was also the Levitical priesthood. He was a Levite. All of these men. How did James become the pastor of the church at Jerusalem? Do you think that all the apostles got together and decided we're going to pray and vote and whoever comes out in this is going to be the pastor of this church? If you say that, I disagree with you. I want to tell you, James became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem by the will of the Holy Ghost. How did it happen? I'll tell you how it happened. Those people began to see the need for a leader and a shepherd. And so they began probably just just automatically God began to elevate that man not because he positioned himself politically to get it but just through God confirming through his leadership if you look the apostles had great reverence and respect for James it was James that settled the issue between Peter and Paul nobody else could come to the conclusion Traditional history says that James was a man of prayer so much that his knees were like camel's knees. And that in front of the place where he prayed in his home, there were grooves that were worn into the floor because that man spent so much time on his knees before God. 
How did he become minister? He became minister by qualification. How did he become pastor? He became pastor by qualification. Let me tell some of you young men that are aspiring to get in the ministry. You don't have to shut doors down to get there. If you just submit yourself to God and be faithful. And here is the word that you must remember. You have got to qualify yourself. You have got to qualify yourself. It's like joining a race. You have to qualify to get in that race. It's like joining a, 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 a club. You have to qualify to get into that club. Who qualifies you? The Lord Jesus Christ qualifies you. There is no such thing as my wife calling me to the ministry. My dad himself did not call me to the ministry. He never tried to call me to the ministry. It was something that I tried to escape and God would not allow me to escape. If you ask me, I'd be happy just working at UPS sitting out there where you're sitting. You got the easy job. Just, oh, I'd love to just come and pay my tithes to Brother Elder and just run a bus route. Why do you think that God used qualification to elevate his men? The authenticity of your faith is, is made known by what? Peter said it in Peter chapter 1. The authenticity, the realness of your faith. Are you ready for me to quit? Or do you want me to finish this? The realness of your faith is made known by what? No, that's the evidence of your faith. What is the realness of your faith made known by? First Peter chapter 1, um, 8 is it? That the trying of your faith being more excellent than of gold, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The authenticity of your faith will be made known out of trial. And some of you young men that are trying to step out too prematurely. Of ministry prematurely. You have not been tried. And it's one thing to say you believe it just because Brother Elder told you to believe it. It's another thing to believe it because you're standing on your own. And there's other people that will fall or be lifted up to God by what you believe. And what I'm saying right now is powerful. And I hope you can get a hold of it.
And if you don't have it in you, and I'm going to tell you, I will be the first. Let me tell some of you young men, and God is using more than just young men. God is using elderly men. God's using whoever. The, God's not only using men, He's using women and young ladies and kids who will ever submit themselves to the mark of God. But let me tell you something. If you have not been tried, then you don't know if your faith is really real or not. And if you try to step into a position of leadership that you have not been tried to step into, you mark my words, in the years to come, Mr. Bill Clinton will be one of the most unpopular presidents that this nation has ever had because he is putting people into positions that they have not been tried in and they are just doing theoretical things what they are trying has not been tried before and if they fail this world will turn against them that's why these preachers that are saying I'm taking a new look at these things they should have never been they should have never acknowledged the call to preach And lest any of you young men, you listen to me as I listen to Brother Wilson preach on trading places where Judas traded his ministry for a position in the Sanhedrin and 20 pieces of silver. And Judas went out and hung himself. And when you step into a position that you are not tried for. I have made up my mind. As many of this I overlooked. I had to do it the hard way. And it wasn't because Brother Elder did it to me. It was simply because he didn't know either. We were the trying. I was his son. He'd never raised a son in the ministry before. I happened to be the one that got to be the trial. Yeah. And the first time I ever stepped in a motel room with a bunch of other preachers sitting there watching television. My daddy wasn't there. I'd been evangelizing for three years now. Many of them are in headquarters in many positions today. It would have been very easy for me to say. I didn't ever really believe it in the first place. But thank God for an honest heart where I went to the Lord and said, God, I have got to have a real conviction of my own now. And I placed my back against the wall beside that television. And I looked at them and I said, you know it's wrong. Oh, I've been castigated by some of them. But I want to tell you, I had one of them 
Called me on the phone the other night. He's leaving his church. It's a good church. Guess who he wants to come and take his church? Uh, because somebody made a stand. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. It's clear up in none of your business where it's at. It's between here and, and there. But anyway, don't get worried. It's a long ways from where I want to be. Called Pueblo. But what I'm, that's the point that I'm trying to make is that because God helped me stand for what was right, not for just what I believed, but for what is right. Because I stood for it. There's a young man today that I've been able to get him in contact with with some other men of God that God allowed me to have in my life where they were able to show me to be a real man of God. You don't have to do what every other young man is doing. And I don't care if the whole UPC goes that way. You're looking at a preacher by the grace of God. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. I want to tell you, if he goes another way, this is the way it is. He put something in me that's not going to change for anybody. Read, Brother Keith. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. This word subjection literally means I beat my body under submission in the Greek. It is a beating connotation. I beat it down. Your flesh isn't always going to do what you want it to do. I'm just going to get praying with some of you young men that are called to preach. You're going to mess with all kinds of spirits. A demon's going to come and give you dreams in your night that's going to blow your mind. You never had dreams like that. You're going to be tempted to do stuff that is just absolutely inhumane. And you're thinking, my Lord and my God, I'm going crazy. What in the world is happening to me? And if you're not spiritual, you know, there's people that make fun of preachers that fall into sin, but I can see why they fall into sin. If you ever become disillusioned, you're, you're in a position of leadership. If, if the devil can get you to fall, he can get all kinds of people to fall. You have to be tried. And I want to tell you, if you're afraid of that trial, you will never get anywhere in your ministry with God. Because faith that is not tried is not faith. But faith that is tried is unshakable. And it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. He said, I beat this body under subjection, lest 
I myself become what? Lest after I have preached to others. That word cast away in the Greek is the word imakidas, which means disqualified. And he said, I bring my body under subjection. I beat my body under subjection. Lest after I have preached to others, I myself become disqualified. I no longer have the right to preach. You've got you to gotta understand something here. I'm not just preaching to preachers here. Well, I am just preaching to preachers. Everybody in here is a preacher. I'm not just talking about people that God has laid His hands on. I'm telling you that you don't even deserve to be called a leadership. There are two kinds of ministry in the church. There is congregational ministry and there is governmental ministry. And until you fulfill the faithfulness of being a congregational minister, you have no business stepping into the realm of governmental ministry. sad thing it is, is there's a lot of guys that just want to be called to preach just so they can say they've been called to preach. They don't want any position of leadership in the church because that's responsibility. And they don't, they don't want that. They just want to get up behind the pulpit and preach. I have come to the conclusion that if a young man in, in the church that God has allowed me to pastor tells me that they're called to preach, they are going to empty the trash. Faithfully, that's their first job of the ministry. Oh, how demeaning. Um, you know, I didn't have a choice. I'd come over here and empty the trash whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. I had parents that didn't say, Oh, you poor thing. I knew that she's my cousin. I wouldn't touch you for You poor thing, you little kid. Don't you dare do what that preacher tells you. You're making a criminal out of your kid if you do that. There's young men in this church that were raised from a baby in this church that are in prison tonight because they had parents that would say, you poor kid, you don't have to do what Brother Elder told you. That foggy old man, he don't have a brain in his head anyway. You're making a criminal out of your child if you do that junk. I'll prophesy to you. Your children will wind up in prison. Your, your daughter will wind up pregnant before she's 15 years old. You put that kind of spirit in them. I don't even have to be in the spirit to prophesy that. 
I can't believe he had the audacity to get you over there and to sweep that church. Who does he think he is? Yeah. I think I think he's picky. He's petting one of them. And he, has, has it ever occurred to you that one of them might be in a higher position than your child is in the kingdom of God? Maybe the one that you think that he's being more special to has paid the dues on the bottom and has been qualified by God a little bit higher. Let me profess to you that I have strong rules of dating for the young people in our church. You know who sets them? They're not set across the board. So you have to be fair. Hogwash, do you just set them across the board for your children? Every one of your children is born different. Who sets the standard? I set the standard. And I'll tell one of them. You ain't dating. How come? None of your business. I won't tell him. I'll tell them that I'll tell him why I won't let him date. But I won't tell you why I won't let him date. It's none of your business. It's between him and me. It's between her and me. And I'll tell some of them. Well, there's things you can do. You, you can go together. Not very many of them anymore, Brother Elder, do I let go without chaperone. There's a reason for that. If they had been raised in the church when they got 18 years of old, hopefully they've not been in the world and saw all kinds of filthy, dirty movies and all kinds of stuff that'll incite the flesh where they can date like they used to date back in the 60s and you wouldn't have to worry about them. They're raised in the church. But I'm telling you, we have young people praying through like crazy in our church. Don't tell me that young people are not hungry. And they're coming in out of the world at all kinds of ungodliness. I'm not about to turn them loose on their own. Now maybe when they get 35 years old and their kids start growing up and they've grown up in the church and they don't have a television in their home and all of that, then I might let them, God only knows. When that time comes, I may just be thanking God that Johnny likes a girl.
happen, but I'm telling the truth. Johnny, you better like girls. If you're not sexually attracted to girls, there's something bad wrong with you, Bubba. Oh man, I must hurry. My watch keeps saying it's 825, but I just remembered I'm a hire behind y'all. Please forgive me. I'm talking to all of you that want to do something for God. Let me tell some of you that have tried to do some things and you've failed miserably. Failure is a part of ministry. And you you will never learn how to succeed until you have failed. You will never learn how to succeed. The mark of a man. Do you know what the mark of righteousness is? The Bible tells us. The mark of righteousness is not doing everything right all the time. Do you know what the mark of righteousness is? The Bible says a righteous man falleth seven times a day. But the mark of his righteousness is he gets back up. And just because you have failed does not mean that you are no longer righteous. But the mark of your righteousness is when you fall, you get back up. And you say, rejoice not against me, O my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. Brother Elder, I have a terrible past. My friend, when you get to heaven, Jesus will have scars. He had a terrible past. That is no reason to fail. That is no reason to quit. That is no reason to give up. That is no reason to quit trying to fulfill the will of God in your life. Well, these people have done me wrong. Well, when they've done you as wrong as they've done Jesus, and, and, and you have every excuse that he had to quit, you remember he never quit. The mark of your righteousness is not how holy you dress, or how holy you look, or how good you can sing, or how long you can pray. The mark of righteousness is when you fall, you get back up. Because I don't care how many times you pray. I don't care how long you pray. I don't care how much you sing. I don't care how talented you are, how good you can preach. You're going to fail. You're going to fail miserably. You're going to feel rotten. You're going to feel depressed. You're going to feel like you blew it big time. You're going to feel like there's no reason to keep on trying. Then what are you going to do? Just lay on the ground and cry baby and whine about it? Or are you going to get back up and say, Okay God, I've got to fulfill this ministry that you've got in my life. Uh, let me talk to some of you that used to be involved in bus ministry. But because so and so hurts your feelings, uh, you're not involved anymore. The mark of a righteous man uh, is he may fall, uh, but he gets back up. I'm not teaching Sunday school anymore because so-and-so hurt my feelings. Come on. Where's the ministry at? The mark of your faith, the authenticity of your faith 
is the trial of your faith. Did you think the devil was going to let you have the Sunday school class that you want to have without a fight? Get on your knees, Sunday school teacher. Go to God. Begin to fast. Begin to pray. Begin to say, God, I want your Holy Spirit to move in this Sunday school class. I want your Holy Spirit to save these bus ministry kids. Oh, young person, listen, youth leader, it's not always going to be hunky-dory, but get a burden again. Oh, God, I'm spending too much time doing what I want to do instead of what the ministry that you've called me to do. I don't want to be disqualified. Help me get back in to the work of the ministry. Restoration. God has called me here tonight to tell some of you get back involved. Come on. When's the last time you won a soul? I'm telling you, I've been disturbed. Sister Elder and I first went there. All we did was teach Bible studies. And we won souls. The first year we were there, we won 13 people to God through home Bible study. Oh, but that's different. I'm telling you, quit making excuses for your failure. You're different, Brother Elder. You're more talented than I am. Hogwash. You got a pride problem. The reason why I know you have a pride problem is because you're gauging your talent with mine. And the Bible says when you compare yourself among your, yourself, you're being foolish. Doesn't have anything to do with the talent or the ingenuity I have. It has everything to do with the calling of God upon my life and how I qualify myself for that calling. Oh, I can tell you some stories. Had a man to move across town. Very unethical. Very unethical. I could have gotten a fight with him, brother Elder. No, he didn't. He tried. He only got one family. I take that back. He got two families. Both of them were backslid. But you see, I was trying to save those families. And I was doing everything that I knew how to save them. And this fella was the master pastor. What do you say, Brother Elder? And I say this carefully because I don't want God to judge me for speaking against a man of God. You mean you believe he's a man of God? I'm not the one that judges whether he's a man of God or not. That's between him and God. But I'm not about to put my hand against God's anointed. Oh, I had to fight it. I wanted to get up and say, Church, that church is off limits. Now, there's times when you need to do that. But I never could feel the Holy Ghost telling me that I could do that. I wanted to get up and blast him. I wanted to get up and expose all kinds of sin that I knew that he was allowing in the leadership. I wanted to get up and just... And people would come to me with questions, Brother Elder, what about this? 
And I'd say, get your hands off of that. Don't touch it. But Brother Elder, he ain't doing what you're preaching. That's none of our business. That's between him and God. Why in the world are you saying this, Brother Elder? Because I've got to honor a man of God. He's wrong. He's wrong. God will take care of you. I'm going to straighten Brother Elder out. You're going to mess yourself up royal. Well, I know what I'll do. I'll just leave him and go to a, a, a church where they'll let me do what I do. There have been those that have done that too. Look where they are today. I can tell you about a family out of this church that I saw at a funeral where they laid their head on the breast of this pastor and wept and wept and said, Brother Elder, I knew I was wrong when I left. I knew I was wrong. I saw it with my own two eyes. You see, I'm preaching from experience tonight. I've had men of God in my life that pastor far bigger churches than this man that I could have always made up in my mind they're going to be my pastor. And I tried. But you know what? Laying in a trailer in Bakersfield, California one night, God said, you get up. You hook this trailer up to your truck. You call your daddy. And you tell him I'm coming home. the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life. Spent the night in Barstow. I was so out of my mind I couldn't even unhook my trailer and set it up. Just got a motel. Went in that motel room and all night demons howled at me. Demons of suicide. Demons of depression. That's the night I laid my faith on the line. And about 3.30 in the morning, I laid my head against the wall of that motel room from praying all night. And I said, God, I'm doing what's right. You've got to help me, Jesus. And when I did, it was like God come in there with the power of the Holy Ghost. And those demons exploded out of that motel room. And I went over and I laid my head on the bed and went to sleep for the first time in days. I'm reaching for some of you tonight. You see, he's always been my daddy and he's been a good daddy. But there's something that I never saw that I had to get. This is my pastor. This is a man of God. There, there's many areas that we disagree in. But I want to tell you, that don't make any difference. He's my pastor. And he's not my pastor sometimes by the choice of me wanting him to be my pastor. He's the pastor that God has put in my life. 
He still is. The other day, I, well, it's been a few months ago, I called him about some problems in the church. He told me to do something. Went back to the church and I'd been praying for hours. God, what do I do about this? And God said, you dingling. You just called your pastor and he told you what to do. How come you're not doing it? I started to say, well, God, I don't agree with it. It don't make any difference if I agree with it. He's my pastor. Do I always like the fact? No, I don't always like the fact that he's my pastor. If I had another pastor, he may do it the way I want it done. But that's not my decision. That's God's decision. Yeah, you're right. And I'm reaching for some of you that have thought that the grass is greener on the other side. If I could just get out of this city, I could find my ministry. You're speaking to a young man that's had experience there. You listen to me, sir. You listen to me, sister. In all humility, I'm telling you, wait on Obey your pastor. Submit yourself to him. I tell some of you that have moved here, and you moved here from other churches, and maybe the pastor in that church didn't do it the way Brother Elder does it. Let me remind you, Brother Elder didn't ask you to come to this church. You submitted yourself to the authority of this man of God by your will. And by your will. The organ's all right. Please listen to me. By your will. You said, God, I believe it's your will for me to come to this church. And so now you're sitting under the man of God that by your will you have allowed to be your pastor. You better submit to him. I don't know why I'm on this tonight, but I know I'm in the Holy Ghost. You get around other men in this district. You might do you might see them do things that Brother Elder preaches against. When you're with them, what are you gonna do? You better stand for the man of God that God has put in your life. Brother Elder, it may cost me a friendship. If it costs you a friendship, so be it. At least it won't cost you your soul. But I don't think that that man's wrong by doing it. You're getting in trouble when you start beginning to judge one man of God with another man of God. That is the height of foolishness. But he lets his people do. It don't matter what he lets his people do. You shouldn't even be looking at what he lets his people do. God has given you a man that has set the standard for this church. And he said, let them that rule be counted worthy of double honor. God has not called you 
to see whether this man's doing it right or not. God has called you to honor this man. And if you'll honor this man, you'll have revival in your life. You'll see God move in your life like he's never moved in your life before. I have far exceeded my time limit tonight and I do apologize. I'm not trying to be presumptuous. But I'm telling you, God sent me here to speak to this church. Let's stand to our feet and love Him. Let's stand to our feet and love Him. Oh God. I pray for this church, God. And if my sacrifices You know, I could go on and on and tell you story after story about how God has honored me in the church that I pastor now because I came home and submitted myself to this man. I can tell you about the Sunday morning I had to get up and set the line for some things and run some people off. I never want to do that again. I'm not in the business of running people off. I'm in the business of saving people. These people stood up and opposed me openly in front of the church. I laid it on the line that morning. So this is the way it's going to be. I love you. But I'm going to tell you that kind of junk ain't going to go on in this church. And I was standing there with every demon in hell tormenting me. This place is fixing to blow, Baba. Because you don't know the history of that church. And I was so careful to say, God, don't let me say anything that you're not in. But because I honored a man of God in my life, when I got done preaching the word of God, and dismissing some people from that church that I loved dearly. But I could no longer deal with what was going on. Lo and behold, a spirit of repentance come in that church. And people started standing up all over that church saying, Brother Elder, forgive me. One of the women that fought me the hardest is now one of the women that's one of the most loyal women to Sister Elder and myself in that church. When I went there, she used to stick her finger in her ears while I was preaching. Is there everything I could do to keep from running her off? She'd do everything to defy me. She just never did it openly. She never gave me the excuse to run her off. Thank God. God knew what he was doing. And she stood up and the spirit that had ruled that church for 15 years was broken. Did it come? I'm going to tell you it come from the specific purpose of God because somewhere in my ignorance I said, God, I'm going to go back. I'm going to submit myself. 
to the leadership. What I'm speaking about is revelatory right now. And some of you oppose yourself. The apostle Paul spoke to Timothy and he said, pray for them that oppose themselves. Adventure, they may repent. What does opposing yourself is to have a goal in life and never get to that goal in life because you're always destroying the avenue of authority and power that takes you to that goal in life. And there's no way that you're going to have the authority, parent, that you want to have over your children if you're not submitted to the man of God in your life. And you're going to keep wondering why your kids backslide. Your kids backslide because you're not doing what the man of God told you to do. They see the inconsistency and the hypocrisy in your life. Oh God, I'm not here. Please help me God. Help me God. Help me God. But I'm reaching for some people tonight. I'm reaching for some people tonight. I'm reaching for some people tonight. God has so much for you if you would just submit yourself to Him. These altars are open to whosoever will. Naaman, you don't have to do a big old thing to get your healing. Just do what the man of God told you to do. Peter, you don't have to perform miracles to get that net full of fish. Just cast it where God told you to cast it. You think it has to be super hyperkinetic for God to be in it? God just saying, do what the man of God tells you to do and I'll move. I'll move. Come on, some of you young people, you don't have the reverence for this man of God that you need to have. 